but victories and, and mountaintops and, and, and like your kids, you know, you, you give your kids everything they want, they're going to get spoiled. <laughs> you don't believe me? Look at my kids, right, Jen? <laughs> no, they're good, but y'all know how kids are. They're entitled. But you know why they're entitled? Because I would give it to them. That's okay. And I, and I believe it is God's good pleasure to, to give us what we need. But part of giving us what we need is giving us what we don't think that we need. Giving us what we don't necessarily want. So you've got to have the positives in life, and you've got to have the negatives in life to have power. And, and, and you know, I believe this church has had a lot of positives. And I believe this church has had some negatives. And you combine those together, and you know what that does? That builds faith. If you, if you never go through the, through the valley, God can never bring you to the mountain. And if you're never on the mountain, God can never bring you to the valley. Because you know what? Nothing grows on the mountaintop. The growth is in the valley. So I believe you've got to have that for, to have power. And when you're talking about promises, really all a promise is is, is words. You know, uh, uh, the promises of God is, is, is nothing more than the Word of God. Promises of man are nothing more than, than the words of man. And you know the, the old saying, uh, uh, a man is only as good as his word. You've heard that. Well, nowadays, people ain't too good because their, their words don't mean a lot. I mean, man's words are empty. Man's words are, 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 are really meaningless. And I've I got to make a confession. Uh, a lot of times I, I listen to people and I, I, and I listen to their words and how they use their words. And, and I like to dissect those words and pick them apart and, and kind of turn around and make really corny jokes about things to make myself laugh. But, but when you listen that intently to people's words, you, you come across a few things that, that are really kind of odd and kind of funny, and, and I'm going to share one of those with you. One of my very most favorite words in the English language is literally. And literally means just as it is. This bottle of water is literally sitting on the pulpit. Now, you counter that with a word figuratively, this bottle of water is sitting upon the, 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 the desk of God, or however you want to say it. I mean, it's not literally sitting on God's desk. It's literally sitting up on this. But people use the word literally in very, very funny ways. And uh, going back to the kids, I am literally about to die. No, you're not literally about to die. Mom, I'm literally starving to death. And the fact of the matter is, if you're literally starving to death, then you are at the point of death. I have never once in my life, even on our 14-day fast, been literally starving to death. I'm a long, long way from death in, in the starving department. Um, and even the word promise, 
I mean, it just don't, when it, when it comes from man, it just really don't have the same effect. Because that word is thrown around just like literally. And while we're talking about kids, I'll use them for an example again. Dad, can we get a puppy? I promise I'll take care of it. Or Zadie Mays, right now, she's all about a hamster. Can we get a hamster? I promise I'll take care of it. You know why she don't got a hamster? Because if she had a hamster, she wouldn't take care of it. No matter how much she promised. Plus, it'd just get out and run around the house, and then I'd have to catch it. One of these days, she'll get a hamster, but it ain't going to be today, and it ain't going to be tomorrow, no matter how much she promises. Have you ever been promised something by somebody, and it just didn't happen? You never, well, I promise I'll bring it back to you. All right, I'll go buy another one. <laughs> I mean, whatever it is, you know, I... I promise this, and I promise that. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's more than just child's play. It's, uh, you know, you, you, you hear that word just thrown around so much. I, I promise that I'll, I'll take care of it. I, I promise I'll whatever. But ultimately, no matter what words come out of a man's mouth or, you know, out of, out of a human mouth, ultimately, without a backing, without something following through without proof words are absolutely meaningless they're as meaningless as literally starving to death they're as meaningless as promising to take care of a hamster thank god that his promises are not the same as man's promises amen that's it's one thing for sure Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is upon all generations. Thou hast established the earth and it abideth. They continue this day according to thy ordinances for all thy services. Thy word is settled in heaven. Yes, that's talking about his book, but it's also talking about the very word of God is settled in heaven. The words of man are not settled in anything. They're, 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 like I said, the words of man are settled in just simply the actions that follow those words. The difference between God's word and man's word is God don't necessarily have to back up his word. It's already done. If God said it, it is good as done. Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? Now, so many times we take that Scripture and we say, God cannot tell a lie. Because it says right here, God's not a man that he should lie, neither the Son of Man that he should repent. So God, he, he can't lie. If God's Word, if, if, if God has spoken it in His Word, then it's going to happen because He can't lie. And that is true. But I think oftentimes what we skip over on this verse is those first five words, God is not a man. Now, I know Jesus Christ robed in flesh is, is a man, is the, is the image of God on earth. But the fact of the matter is, God is not a man. There is a stark difference between the nature of God and the nature of man. And pretty much it goes like this. Anything that you can expect, expect neg negatively out of man, expect just the opposite of God. Man will turn their back on you. God will never turn his back on you. A man will lie to you. God will never lie to you. 
A man will let you down. God will never let you down. Any attribute that you can think about concerning God, uh, man, just think the absolute opposite of God. God will never forsake me. Man will forsake you. God will never leave me. Man will leave you. God will never, uh, man will leave you high and dry, wanting, broken, uh, just destitute. God, if you can expect it out of man, expect the exact opposite out of God, because that's the power of His Word, and that's the power of His promises. I'm thankful for the promises of God in my life and over this church. Let's, let's, let's uh, thank God right now for His promises. Amen. Feels like I'm just kind of stumbling through this, but anyway, uh, the promises of God are, are nowhere better exemplified than in prophecy. And if you were to read through uh, the 24th chapter of Matthew, you're going to see just how powerful and how strong and how evident in our lives today the promises of God are. You can read through Matthew chapter 24, 3 through 14. I'll just hit uh, a few of the high points. And, of course, we all know what it's talking about. And he said at the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him and said, What shall these signs be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said, uh, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. I mean, you can, uh, if you were to be so inclined, you could uh, turn on the, uh, the, the religious channels of the day, TBN or, or whatever it may be, or or God forbid if you work nights and you uh, turn on anything at 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, does anybody know who Peter Popoff is? This man sells bottles of miracle water. And all you got to do is order his miracle water for $19.99, and he'll send it to you, and you drink it, and whatever it is that you need God to do, just by drinking that water will happen. And tonight, we're offering a very special offer that if you order one bottle of Miracle Water for $19.99, we'll send you another one for free, plus shipping and handling. And, and to me, that's, uh, that's someone coming in the name of Christ to deceive, and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. I mean, there's, there's no need for explanation of that. It seems like ever since I've been old enough to remember, we've been on the brink of war, um, Nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There's famines and, and pestilences and earthquakes in divers uh, places. I mean, uh, places that have never had earthquakes before, having them now. Pestilence. That's that's a uh, pestilence is not necessarily bugs landing on you. Pestilence is an outbreak of AIDS and 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 uh, cancer rates are through the roof. And and you're hearing on the news the coronavirus and norovirus and and uh, measles and just all manner of craziness that we thought we had took care of years and years ago are, are coming back now. And, and anyway, you know, you could just go on and on and on about, uh, about prophecy and about how we're living in the end times. But ultimately, that is just proof positive that a promise of God is settled. I mean, he said it thousands of years ago. As a matter of fact, he addressed it in Second Peter. They, they, uh, he said there's going to be those that fall away because they think that it's not going to happen. And, uh, and you know, they're, they're just going to get tired of waiting on the end. They're going to get tired of waiting on the uh, return of the Lord. 
And that's when uh, he went on to explain that, that, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that, that a thousand years is a one day, and one day is a thousand years. And, and this is where that, the, the, one of the most quoted verses about the promises of God coming from, talking about the end time. It says, the Lord is not slack concerning, concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But as long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And you know, you could just go on and on with examples of the Bible about, about the promises of God, but the fact of the matter is, I'm preaching to the choir. We all know that, that God's promises are sure, that they're settled in heaven, that if God says it, that we should believe it, and that it's, that it's going to happen. So then why are His promises such a source of discouragement to some people. Because the fact of the matter is, I hate to keep going back to my kids, but I know them about as good as anybody. If I tell them that I'm going to do something and I don't do it, they're going to be disappointed. If I make a promise to them and I don't hold out on that promise, they're going to be disappointed. Or, if I take too long. I may have full intentions of doing it, but I may not do it in their time frame. The fact of the matter is, humans have just a certain innate desire for follow-through. I don't know any better way to say it, but and, and I know we've all been there and, and heard the, the man of God speak a word over our life or even, or even a, a promise that comes straight out of the Word of God. Uh, you know, maybe a man, man of God has, has said what I said earlier. We're going to see him come through the doors. We're going to see our lost loved ones that we hadn't saw in years come through the doors. And then we wait. And then nothing happens. And year days go by, and weeks go by, and months and years, and, and still nothing happens. I, I'll be the first one to say it's real easy to get discouraged when things like that happen. No matter how much we trust in God, and no matter how much faith we have in God, discouragement happens. So I feel like that God has, has uh, and this is the, the crux of the matter, has sent Two different reasons why we get discouraged waiting on the promises of God and, and, and maybe a different way to look at that. Uh, the first one, of course, is, and I mentioned it earlier, you know, a thousand years is a day, is a day to God and a day is as a thousand years. It basically says that our time and God's time is different. Uh, Isaiah 55, 8 through 11. This is one of my very favorite passages of the, of the Bible, uh, my grandpa Stockman showed it to me years ago, and I've never forgot it. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. And I know what you're saying. Well, that's one of the most popular ones there is. It is, but there's still something special between me and him. Neither are my, my, your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For, the, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And here it is. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. 
It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. So basically, it's likening the Word of God to, to rain and precipitation. It's got a very specific purpose. The rain's going to fall. It's going to water the ground. And up from the ground, it's going to spring forth, I don't know, vegetation, for lack of a better word. It's going to happen. The same way that when God tells you something, mark it in your book, it's going to happen. It's going to rain again. Trust that. Trust in the Lord that it's going to rain again. And right now, we're getting a lot of rain. We're in an abundance of rain. As a matter of fact, uh, yesterday and today are one of the only two days in the 15-day forecast that it's not forecast to rain. And if you hadn't looked at your weather app, it's going to start raining tonight, and it's going to rain tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And I think we're going to have a break Saturday and Sunday. But it's going to rain. And that's the way the promises of God are sometimes. Sometimes it rains. And sometimes we're blessed by the promises of God. But just as easily as it rains all the time, there are also times of drought. And there's times of famine. And just like, uh, you know, Joseph with his dreams to Pharaoh, uh, you know, there's going to be seven years of abundance, and then there's going to be seven years of famine. We all go through seasons of drought. But the important thing to remember, two things about this one thing. Number one, when it's raining, stock up. Stock up on your prayer. Stock up on your faith. Stock up on your belief. Because a time of drought, it, it, it's going to come. But the one thing for sure, it will rain again. You're guaranteed that it's going to rain again in your life. You're guaranteed that if God said it, it's going to happen. Now, it may not be the same time frame. I can't make it rain, and I can't make it stop raining. But God can. God can do it. And I know it's hard to do, but we've got to get on God's timeline and realize that, yeah, it may be tough to, to not see Him come through the door, and it may be tough to to not have the promises of God being fulfilled in our life right now. But be, be assured it will rain again. Next thing is, uh, it's just recognizing when it does rain. Oh, Genesis, and this is kind of lengthy reading, and Lord... I'm just going to kind of burn through it real quick. And this is Abraham and Isaac going up to the uh, going up to the mountain. And uh, poor Isaac, of course, he's packed the donkey with the wood and walking up the hill with Dad, and Dad's got the sharp knife in his hand. And, and Isaac's a young man, but he's not a stupid young man. He knows what they're going to do. He knows they're going to sacrifice. And, and he sees the knife, and he sees the wood, and he sees all the makings of a sacrifice except the sacrifice. And uh, he said, uh, Father, and he said, here, here am I, son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And uh, Abraham said, My son, 
God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them together, and they came to a place which God had told them of. So they were in the right place because they went where God told them. And Abraham built an altar and laid the wood and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Isaac saith unto Abraham, Dad, I thought you said there's going to be a lamb. What am I doing up here? And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay him. Of course, we know the angel of the Lord come and said, Hold up, Abraham, wait. Don't do it yet. God's going to provide. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram was caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him as a burnt offering. Abraham knew he had faith in God's promise. God had promised him a son. He knew that God was going to provide a sacrifice, but he still carried through with it. He said, Isaac asked for the, for the lamb. Abraham said, God's going to provide a lamb. And then a lamb was caught in the thicket. No, a ram was caught in the thicket. Very important that we recognize that us and God are, are vastly different. And I'm closing right now. I'll tell you what, let's, let's stand because uh, the time draweth nigh to 5.50. Thank goodness. <clears throat> so it's all in the words. Abraham said, God will provide a lamb. Isaac asked, where is the lamb? And the ram was caught by the horns. Now, imagine if Isaac and Abraham were so stuck on the fact that God will provide a lamb, a little sheep, that when they saw the ram that God did provide, that that knife went forth and plunged through Isaac's chest because in their mind, they were thinking lamb. God sent a ram. But they recognized that although they had their mind upon one specific promise from God, he provided another way. Or imagine, and thank goodness this is not the nature of God, but Abraham and Isaac one of the promises of God fulfilled with a lamb. God sent a ram. Imagine if God would have sent a lamb, and this is just my way of thinking about it. A lamb don't have horns. They can't get caught in the thicket. If God would have sent the promise in the way that I wanted, in the way Abraham and Isaac wanted, it could have just run right through and never stopped. Me, I'm Abraham, I'm Isaac. I had my promise said in one way. God sent the promise in another way. Thank goodness that I was able to recognize the promise of God was here, not necessarily in the way that I wanted it here or in the time frame that I wanted it to happen, but it did rain. And the ram did come. So I just want to encourage someone tonight that's waiting on the promises of God. 
It's going to rain. It's going to snow. And if you're looking for a lamb, don't be surprised if a ram don't show up with horns. Just learn to recognize the promises of God. Let's pray right now. Lord Jesus, God, we thank you for your promises. We thank you for your word.